Welcome to another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I'm definitely excited for this conversation today. I want to welcome all Black Equity listeners. If this is your first time here, make sure you uh, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Also follow us on Instagram at Black Equity Network. If you're looking to collaborate or partner with today's guest or a past guest, please stay till the end of the show. And we'll give you further details on what you need to do. I'm really excited about this conversation because it's not just about investing for me. It's really not about investing for our entire tribe. What we are really looking for is, okay, you're investing, you're developing, you're in real estate, but how does that impact the community? And so whenever we have a conversation like this, we want to make sure we're sitting down And talking to someone who actually is putting in the work and it can show you can really see and watch their track record. And so today's episode and today's guest uh, really personifies that vision that we have here at Black Equity Network and Black Equity Podcast. So I want you to uh, truly get your notepad out. You're going to learn a lot of great information about what it takes uh, to have a spirit, a community development, and why that's important uh, for your portfolio and for your life and what you're doing in your city. Uh, so take notes, sit back, take in the information, and uh, hopefully you are truly blessed like I was for this conversation. So let's get into it. Let's get into this uh, really great episode. Uh, I'm DJ Motri of Black Equity Network. And welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. And I'm definitely excited about this conversation because I want to have a conversation about community development and why it's important for investors to have a community-oriented mindset. Now, anytime I'm going towards a topic, I want to speak to someone who's already on the ground floor doing the actual work and give us a uh, glimpse into what they have going on. Uh, joining us today is Joanna Jane. Uh, I'm definitely excited about this conversation. Joanna, welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Thank you for having me. Definitely. For those who don't know who you are, which I'm really shocked that people don't know who you are, but <laughs> because you're doing amazing work. But for people who don't know who you are, introduce yourself and tell us about your company. Uh, as you just stated, my name is Joanna Jane. I am the CEO and founder of O'Hara Development Partners. We are a community development organization that focuses on rehabilitating areas that have been vacant, having decayed properties 
for a number of years, areas that have been forgotten. And we actually turn those into quality neighborhoods where we not only focus on the real estate in terms of the brick and mortar, but also supporting programs that we can be able to encourage and really increase that economic growth as a whole. So that looks like partnering with local and state organizations uh, that may be supporting educational programs in regards to schools or even green space projects where we can be able to reduce lots that have become dumping grounds. That's the short part of it. <laughs> now, what you just said is a very, very in-depth uh, conversation for us to get into. But before we go down, we're talking about some of those initiatives that you have. How did you get into this economic space to become um, an economic activist or economic warrior? How did all this come about? I actually call myself an economic change agent, so I like that you actually started down that path. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So for me, um, I had the privilege of really being exposed to finance and real estate through my relationship with my dad. My family's not from this country. My dad's from Grenada. My, my mother is from Trinidad. So growing up, you know, in Philly, um, having a split life between like growing up in North Philly and part of my life growing up in Mount Airy, um, just for me, it was, you know, Saturday mornings, um, first of the month, going to pick up rent with dad. It was me counting the money. It was me filling out the bank deposit slip. I think at the time I was more excited about the candy that you got when you went to the bank. <laughs> I, was, right. I really right. wasn't paying attention to all the systems that dad was exposing me to. I was going to settlement meetings, you know, as a kid playing on the floor. So these things were being dropped into my spirit and I didn't even really realize it until I got older. Um, and as much as people find this to be, even myself, I find this to be very surprising. I did not start down the entrepreneurship journey the way people would have thought I would have. You know, even sometimes I think back like, dad, dad, why didn't you just let me just take off, you know, right after high school? But, you know, as a you know, foreign family that came to this country really big on education, that's the lane that he pushed me through. So um, I went to Delaware State University, shout out to my Hornet family. And then I went on to Westchester University at, no, Wilmington University and then Westchester University. So I have a master's in social, in social work as well as a master's in counseling and an undergraduate degree in public and community health. So what does that look like when you take a young child that has been raised in finance and real estate and then you go and get these academic degrees, it looks like community development. So when the time came for me to branch off from my father, that's why O'Hara Developments looks the way that it does. I was not in really interested in just flipping a house. Been there, done that. I wasn't really interested in just providing, you know, rental space for families. Been there, done that. I wanted to do something where when people thought about our company, they said, oh, they make a difference in the community. And until you have been in my shoes, where at one point when I was a truancy case manager, sitting in inner city homes, doing um, social work assessments and seeing the, the, the quality that people were living in and hearing the struggles that they were facing, hearing the calls of folks feeling pushed out of their neighborhoods. I don't know how else you can go about wanting to do this other than doing it right by thinking of the people first. So that's why we move the way that we do. Okay, so I definitely want to learn more about exactly what community development is. But you mentioned that you were in those settlement meetings. And to me, that's a, that's a bar, that's a gem right there. And so I want to jump right back into that. What is a settlement meeting? Because I want people to understand how significant that could be that you're sitting at the, at the table or right by the table 
of something very significant happening within the process. Yes. So the settlement meeting means that you have gotten to the point in the process of purchasing the home and you go to um, more than likely some type of title office. Um, it can be done really anywhere. I've seen people close deals. I feel like darn near in parking lots, right. <laughs> but the, t the title insurance company is present. The seller could be present. Sellers don't always have to be present, but in your most general sense, the seller is present. The buyer is also present and you're, you know, completing various documents to be able to change over ownership of that property. It can be several hours, but if you're also on the side where you're receiving a profit check, you're very happy to sit there and wait until they provide you with your compensation. So, um, yeah, that's what a settlement meeting is in, in its most general sense. I love that, you know, you were aware enough to look back on your life and realize that as the flow of wealth is, is happening, you were there for all of it. Uh, your entire childhood. And so you understand value. You understand uh, money just by being within the presence of it. And so then let's shift over to community development because you were talking about that being a core mission of the work that you're doing. What Sorry, is DJ. We started breaking up a tad bit, so I'm... Okay. So you mentioned uh, community development being a core part of your organization. For those who may not know, what exactly is community development from your perspective? From my perspective, it's always building with the people in mind, right? Let's, if, we, if we think about it like that and not get into all of the you know, uh, vernacular on a collegiate level that sometimes really turns us away, honestly, it's just building with the people in mind. So if you get, a, uh, excuse me, if you get professionals in a room, in addition to those that live in the community in a room, and you hear the people in the community say, hey, we don't have, a, um, we don't have a, a quality supermarket where we can actually go and buy fresh produce. We don't have enough extracurricular activities within our neighborhood for our kids. If you just start listening to what they're saying they lack, and then you start to build in that community, reinvesting so those gaps can be filled, that's what community development is. You're building with the people actually in mind. Too often, though, we have allowed sometimes outside developers to come into our communities and they tell us what we need. And then as we start to see things happen and we're like, well, we didn't ask for that. Well, we don't really need that. That's where residents get upset. That's where they feel pushed out of their neighborhoods. Um, and that's what community development should not be. So that's what it looks like. You know, you know a few years ago, there was a, a huge movement on, uh, they call it Black Wealth Twitter. And everybody would be saying, yeah, I'm gonna go to Detroit, or I'm gonna go to Baltimore, or whatever city was maybe going through a tough time. And I'm gonna buy me a cheap property, I'm gonna flip it, and I'm gonna get into this wealth game. And I always was concerned about it. Uh, and this will all make sense in a second. I was always concerned about it because, okay, you flip the house, you made money, but what does that actually change for that community? What does that actually change for that city that is actually going to do something long term? And so now I'm meeting you and we're, we bumped into each other online and you're saying, hold on a second. I want to have a, a plan that's going to be a 360 look at how is this entire community going to be shaped? How is this entire community going uh, to be impacted by my decisions? Why are, and you may not have this answer, I don't know. Why are most investors not thinking that way? They're kind of thinking me, 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 instead of, you know, outwardly, how am I impacting the world around me? 
Well, I feel as though most developers aren't thinking that way because they often are not trained in the areas to think about the people. They're trained in the areas to think about the money. So they're thinking more about the equity and what can I pull out through a refi cash out? What can I sell this property for? How can I recoup from this hard money loan that I put out for? They're thinking that first. Um, you know, no shade to anybody, but I must say some of the developers that I have come across, they don't also don't have my resume. So that also plays a factor. You know, when you spent time with families and you've been court advocating for families, you've been designing programs and in certain meetings that really impact a neighborhood, a block, I just don't see how you can get into community development and not take those same skills with you. So it's kind of hard to separate. And trust me, at times I've been like, why am I wired this way? This is a lot of work. <laughs> like, why aren't there days where I could just think about the dollar? But that's just not how I'm wired. Um, so that's why I do believe that some developers think that way. We actually had someone come on a show. So I also have a radio segment on WRD, um, Philadelphia Radio. And we had our Buy the Block series. And the first week, we had a gentleman that called in and we were talking about why you should even consider buying the block, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, we had that hashtag, but I, I look at it as that's what gets the conversation going, but we shouldn't stay there with just buying, as you just said, and just flipping it because you don't, you're not making much of a difference to anybody else. And this gentleman called in, he expressed that he was, you know, Caucasian and he said, you know, well, if when we approach people about their home, if they don't see the value in the property, that's not our fault. A lot of times, you know, um, John may not see the value in keeping grandma's house and he'll take our $30,000 and we'll turn it into more. So again, he's not, he's coming in with a certain lens of privilege that doesn't necessarily allow him at times, or I should say it causes a barrier for him to think beyond that, that transaction, which was why we wanted to do that by the block series on WRD, being as though it is a black owned radio station and most of our listeners are you know, of the black community. So that's why we want people to understand legacy. We want you to understand the transfer of wealth. We want you to understand that even if you're confused and you're not sure what to do with Grandma's house that fell in your lap, that there are people out here that you can plug into and get some um, information before just throwing your hands up with it and saying, I'm, I'm done with it. Because you're, you're losing something that has taken a while to get to you, especially if it's free and clear, you know, right? And if we think about history, this is what have also put the white community ahead of us because they've had equity in their homes to send their kids off to college where their kids are not coming out with as much student debt as, as we do and so forth. So I know I kind of went on there, but I hope that you, you caught where I was going. Oh, no, I love it. <laughs> it it's, a, it's a really great insight to understanding the world. And I'm going to go a little deeper, if you don't mind. Sure. So when you're walking into this with a community development lens, besides money, what else should I be considering? I know people first, but what, what should I be paying attention to if I want to have that similar mindset as you and come in with understanding the full community and how it's being impacted by my investment decisions? Right. So one of the things that I always tell people to do, and hopefully I remember all of these steps, I have these written down, I, I can definitely share them out later. But one of the things I always encourage people to do is go to go read your urban development plans. Every city has them. Um, it's about a 25 to 30 year time span of what the city is looking to do, what, their, what direction they're looking to go in. So you'll hear about, you know, what areas they may be thinking for entertainment zones, what areas are they thinking to have, you know, different activities, 
all types of stuff. You'll see that um, areas that they can see having more zoning for multifamily use and just a, a plethora of things. This helps you get guidance in where the area is actually going. The other part to that is plugging into existing neighborhood association meetings. Like just actually go, sit down, listen, hear what the people have to say. I can tell you during our first two and a half years before we actually started doing construction in Baltimore, because I'm not a Baltimore resident as of yet. I, I do have some zip codes that, you know, I'll be uh, entertaining soon. Okay. But nonetheless, um, we went into meetings where nobody knew my name at all. And we just sat there and just listened to what they were saying they wanted. We heard them actually like ask some really detailed conversations to developers that were looking to come into their area. And I must say that, you know, not saying that Baltimore is perfect, but for where they're trying to go, they vet you very well. You're not just coming in to play party in Baltimore. Not, that, not, that's just how I look at it. Now, somebody else may have a different experience, but I can say by plugging into those community meetings are very helpful. Don't be afraid to also call your own community meeting and invite stakeholders, invite the council person, invite you know those that may be over the housing department and put it out there. You'll be surprised that they will actually show up because remember, you put them in those positions. So these are just a couple things that you can do in addition to reading online where that community is actually going. Another part that is a very heavy factor is assessing the job growth over the last 10 to 12 years. Knowing where the job growth is really gives you an understanding, is that community ready for home ownership or are they um, maybe struggling a bit where you're seeing more renters than homeowners. Job growth will tell a story because what you don't want to do is go in with your own mind and say, oh, I saw this on Pinterest. Pinterest be messing people up, DJ, let me tell you. <laughs> but I saw this on Pinterest and I want to just go do this in somebody's community. And then you're wondering why your $250,000 home is not selling. Well, you're in a community that they can't afford those type of properties. Now your property is struggling. Now your holding costs is going up every month. So knowing these things is very intentional. And it's very important for you to uh, really execute on your plans. Uh, one of our first stops, when we got to our block, we knocked on the church doors. We met with the pastor. We realized like, hey, there's a church here that when we look it up has been here for a long time. I'm sure that they can connect us with some folks here. I'm sure that they can tell us some things, express what the needs are. And that's where our start was. And that connected dots and connected more dots. And it, you know, took one of a life of its own. But the community will tell you what it needs. You, you're saying something that I think is very simple, but I know there's a lot of work behind it. Yes. You're actually, excuse my language. I don't, I don't want to say this, but I have to. You actually give a damn about how people feel about their own community. Yes. What a, what a novel idea to actually sit down and say hey how do you feel before you know just come in buy a property flip it and be out you're actually sitting down and having the long-term view the long-term conversations because these are going to be the people that surround your properties and notice i said properties that's right speak it it's not just one you're looking at a, a grand scale of what you want to do. I wonder why more people won't actually have that human interaction in the investment space. And it's just about the, the bottom line. I think that you just stated it. Thank you, number one. But I think that you also just stated it. It takes work. Mm. It takes work. 
we want things fast. We live in a Jetson-based society. At one point, the Jetsons was something that we admired as kids. You know, whoever, you know, remembers their good Saturday cartoons, we were like, oh, wow, like, you know, cars moving without people having to be behind the wheel, and the nanny is taking care of the kids and cleaning the house. And now we fast forward to 2020, and, you know, if we think about it, there are some good comparables with the Jetsons, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you yep. want a car, Uber for that, Lyft for that. Hey, a pandemic, no problem. We'll zoom in and still have a meeting. We're so used to things being instant that the things that actually requires us to take our time, massage, grow, tend to, we miss out on it. And that's what really builds a legacy. A legacy is not instant. And I'm glad that we took those steps. There are some people that were thinking like, oh, she's just talking, you know. I don't know what about this O'Hare or anything. I've, I've heard it here and there, but I just don't know. And now people are seeing like, oh my goodness, like she really, like they really have like a whole neighborhood. Like they really are doing this, but it's a time for us to get there. By us taking those steps, it allows me right now while I'm in transition to be in Philly at times to handle other business of our company. And if there's something popping off that doesn't look right, I have neighbors that will call me and say, oh no, no, that's, that's Miss Joanna. That's O'Hara development. That's this. And they will send text messages. They will send emails. Um, because they know that we've taken the time to build that type of relationship. And we all they also know that we're committed. You know, there is it wasn't easy. And we could have definitely walked away. We could have flipped a couple properties and done several, you know, rentals at this time. But we said, no, we're gonna continue staying committed, follow our word. We're not gonna back out. If, no is never, no, maybe it's not yet. Let's talk to such and such. Let's talk to counsel such and such. Let's have the meeting. Let's get everybody in the room and talk about how can we come up with a solution. And I think if we stop running from the problems, we'll start to see more solutions. I love that. How did you, because I know you're based in Philly, correct? Yes. Okay. How did someone based in Philly end up <laughs> and developing a community in Baltimore. And then I also want to get into later in this episode, some great news that recently came out about what's going on in Baltimore with your company. But how did you end up uh, working in Baltimore? How did all this happen? Oh, DJ. Um, so if I'm going to keep it real with you, Baltimore bit my heart years ago from an old relationship. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm going to keep it hundred percent. And, um, we were, you know, dealing with each other for a number of years and things didn't work out, but I started to learn the city. I enjoyed going there, you know, even outside of hanging out with him and his family. And, um, when I was looking for an opportunity after we had finished a project here in Philly, I was like, I need something else. And then unfortunately my dad and I got into an argument and I was like, I got to branch off. I just, this, I can't keep rocking with dad. Love you. But we just see things very differently. And um, honestly, during a time where I call it my bleeding season, um, I, I went through a divorce and um, an old college mate of mine called me and she said, you know, I see what you're doing. I see that you're in finance. I'm also a licensed financial coach. And, and she said, you know, I would love to sit down with you, my husband and I, to talk about some things. And he was actually preparing to transition from working full time, you know, having a pretty decent salary. And he always had this interest in real estate. So she said, you know, I have a personal question to ask you. And um, what are your thoughts on whether I should support him in this transition? So as she's sharing with me her thoughts, it was like immediately making me think of this current place where I'm bleeding. And I'm like, wow, 
okay, I have to share this with her. So I never told her what position I was in at that point in time, but everything I heard her say caused me to turn around and tell her, listen, these are years that he's never going to get back. And if you don't support him now, he's always going to think back later and wonder what if, right? You guys are young. You have young children. If it doesn't work out, you have more than enough time to bounce back. But don't let him ever think that the reason why he didn't live out his dreams is because you weren't willing to take that leap of faith with him. That was a simple conversation. Fast forward, maybe about six months later, mind you, DJ, she called me for a financial consultation that has yet to ever happen. So I think this was divine, <laughs> right? Right, right. So she hits me up about six months later. I'm thinking, okay, we're finally going to have this consultation. She calls me and says, Joanna, thank you so much for encouraging me. He comes home happy. He passed his test. It's like a whole nother person. And then she said, he's actually working with somebody in Baltimore doing some development plans and so forth. So bells instantly went off. Mm -hmm. All of us went to college, although we are not like super close now, but we had, you know, a good college relationship. And I said, I need to talk to him now. She kind of brushed it off a little bit like, oh, you know, I'll make sure I give your number. I said, listen to me, sweetheart. I need to talk to him now because I need to see what's going on in Baltimore. Worked me into a conversation, was down there within 24 hours. Um, and in that conversation, I heard what they were looking to do in the area. I started to speak from my macro social work perspective and public health policy. And they looked at me and said, oh, you need to meet such and such. And I was like, oh, okay. Came back to Philly. That night, her husband calls me and said, hey, the developer was really impressed with everything that you had said. Can you come back into Baltimore like in two days? He mm -hmm. wants to talk more with you about some opportunities. I didn't know I made it happen, number one, but I didn't know that that next meeting was going to land me in City Hall. And that same conversation mm -hmm. led into wow. a whole city contract. So... I know that was a long story, but what I hope somebody actually heard from this is that during your bleeding places, during your lowest moments, still serve and be kind to people. You don't know who you're going to end up walking to, having a conversation with, and really blessing along the way that because I wasn't hating, because I wasn't like, ah, you're still married, I'm divorced, like, and because I wasn't operating with that type of vibe, it literally landed us into a whole neighborhood. <laughs> you know, contract in a sense. So yeah, that's the real tea. You got the so, real tea. I don't really tell everybody. <laughs> I appreciate it. I don't know how, I don't know how I earned this, but I'll take it. Um, so tell me about what just happened in Baltimore. I know we posted it on our stories. We've been sharing a lot of the great work you're doing, but for people who don't follow us on Instagram, who may be listening overseas or they just don't have social media, what recently happened for you where you were featured uh, on the news in Baltimore for your company? So what we've been working on over these past two and a half years has come full circle. And we had a neighborhood redevelopment ceremony where we were highlighted by the city of Baltimore. Our council person was present, Councilman Stokes. We had representation from the commissioner's office. Uh, the who we believe to be the next mayor of the city was also there, uh, Council yeah. President Brandon Scott. And just to be highlighted for what we've done so far, right? To hear leaders of the Neighborhood Association speak on our behalf, that they were just happy that we were willing to have a conversation with them. I'm like, we haven't even finished the first five houses yet. You would have thought that, you know, 
we've done all this stuff. But to them, the fact that you were here, you haven't left yet, you're committed, you're willing to help us have the planning conversations, you're willing to put the work in. There's even a picture on one of my media timelines where there was an old um, lot. It used to be a garden. It ended up turning into a dumping ground. And we've now converted it into a common space where you could have barbecues and oh, all different things. And I'm actually out there with the rake. Like, okay, <laughs> come on, let's go. And my daughter is with me. I had some of my mentees in Philly come down and we were there with Johns Hopkins University students. And they, just with that, they were so proud. And that's what people saw on the news. Um, WBAL came out and highlighted, you know, what our plans are for the future. And we're in phase A. We have 40 units, 40 doors that we're planning for now. Um, but it's actually a total of 80, but we're on our first block. And that looks like 10, um, uh, 10 single family homes and then a mixture of condos and duplexes where we're providing mixed community living. So no one will feel pushed out and feel like, well, this block is only for those that own and this block is for only for those that rent. So we're doing a mixed community living development uh, on our block. Those that are owners also have some of the benefits of having a 10 year tax credit. So what that basically means is that, you know, you're not being assessed on the new value of the home for a period of about 10 years. So that is a big saver. And yes. we would really wanted to package this to um, have a strong incentive for folks to consider moving in our area. So we're going to definitely come back when the marketing is ready. And I'm going to say, hey, you know, push this out. If you are within, you know, 10 minutes of Penn Station, Johns Hopkins University, the school or the hospital, if you're anywhere in this area, this can be a place that you should consider um, for home ownership. Uh, our packages range anywhere between 17 to approximately $38,000 towards down payment assistance. That's a big, big deal. Yeah. You know, so it's very, very attractive um, for future home buyers. Well, first of all, congratulations. I know Thank you beginning stages you mentioned two and a half years stage yeah you are a very committed person <laughs> right and so thank, thank you, you for your commitment what was going on during those two and a half years i'm just trying to let me make sure i preference this because i know people are going to want to get into this space now that they've heard this episode and they're going to want to be part of the community development aspect instead of just being an investor, just being a flipper and focusing on just the money. What's going on during those two and a half years that you can share right. um, that people should be aware of just to get to this stage where you can now start implementing some of the things that you envisioned? Right. So, DJ, as you know, um, someone that follows me, I'm a woman of faith. So what I truly believe that over these two and a half years, God was saying bigger. Because when we first went into Baltimore and we decided to move forward formally, we were only thinking about one house. We were not thinking about wow. it. Anymore. Wow. And every time we were ready to get started, I felt now I can look back and say, it was God like, nope, bigger, mm -mm, more, come a little bit closer. It was like these breadcrumbs being thrown in front of us. But if we go back to that waiting part, well, I want people to always understand that the same ingredients that's in the breadcrumbs are in the loaf of the bread. The same ingredients that's in the breadcrumbs is in the loaf of the bread. Don't get so caught up on the loaf of the bread that you miss the breadcrumbs because I saw our company transition from focusing on one house 
to two houses to then coming out of a community meeting and someone saying, hey, we can't afford our house anymore. Can you help us too? That turned into 10, that turned into, oh, I heard her speaking here and now having a meeting, having a meeting with a city official that says, hey, can you consider this block? Can you come down a little bit further? I've watched it happen. So the fact that it's happening at this level now, like we didn't design this, but what I can share is what took place over those two and a half years were a lot of meetings, a lot of building relationships, a lot of planning, figuring out the business plan, working the numbers, meeting with investors, sharing our story. And then, you know, Baltimore also had a ransomware attack last year. So that also held up our project, right? Mm -hmm. We were ready to go and we're like, what, what you mean? We can't get our permits. Look what happened, mm. you know? And then again, during that time, we lose a crew. So you have to also be prepared of what happens because you're going to have some highs and lows. We had to let go of a construction crew. And then we had to also make sure that we brought on the right people that were going to be committed. So that took time and identifying and hiring people. Mind you, this is not my city. So it also looks like split weeks between Philly and Baltimore, spending time in hotels and, you know, making things work here and there. So that was also a part of it. And then again, here we are in COVID. If mm -hmm. I was to show you the dates, our permits to start our job was literally a week and a half before the city shut down. Mm. After already going through a ransomware attack where the city was shut down for a couple months, I was like, sweet Jesus, what is going <laughs> on? Like, yeah. I know I'm being obedient. I know I'm following this, you know, this ministry that you have created in front of me, but it feels like what's happening. But let me tell you this. I have to share this story okay. because I really want people to understand, to, to appreciate the breadcrumbs. It's never no, especially if you know that you are following your destiny, if you're following what you believe, you are someone that believes in a higher being, if you are following God, it's never no. It just may be not yet. Mm -hmm. During COVID, we had to shut down. I, we had to shut down to one crew. I said, okay, we can at least work on our light remodel. Not too many guys have to be out there. We can at least keep some people working. I was so nervous about calling my head GC and telling him that we couldn't have the project going. But I trusted and I said, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to try to hide from the money and do all of that stuff. He said, Miss Joanna, I see the vision. I'm not going anywhere. That means. So I want people to understand that the no is not no. The no is the in the not yet. And what took place during COVID, as you know, um, you know, we had to shut down, as I, as I recently expressed. Mm -hmm. And one of our head GC said, you know, I see the vision. I see that this is more than just a house and we're going to stick in here with you. So they continued with us along the way. We ended up just doing our lighter remodel for the time being. And um, as you also know, during COVID, we saw the, the death of George Floyd happen right in front of us. That mm -hmm. also led to, and I mean, that was just one of, of what we saw, right? And right. that led to the uprising you know, of our nation, of our whole world, right? This mm -hmm. whole Black Lives Matter movement coming to the forefront. We also saw organizations, corporate corporations saying, we see the injustice. We see what has been happening and whether or not, you know, we can't, obviously we know we can't change the past, but what can we do moving forward? So there were a lot of companies that pledged to the back, to the black community. Now, I can't say right. yet, um, I can't give any names yet, but I can tell you this, one of the things that we were waiting to come through was some land. We were positioned by the city, again, building relationships, 
-hmm. we thought that we would probably focus on land development, maybe like 2023, 2024, like with urban gardening, recreational space. But there was an opportunity that came up of an old abandoned land that literally is like when I say around the corner, not even fully around the corner from the houses that were developing in phase A. So we, I end up having the whole community meeting. We're ready for closing. But again, everything shut down during COVID. I am nervous. I'm like, what in the world? I can't do my public speaking engagements. This is another way that we have income coming in. So back to Black Lives Matter movement and these organizations pouring into the Black communities. I'm up one night reading my Bible. I will never forget this. I was preparing for Bible study. And I get a text message that says, this is from dot, 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 dot company. Read what they're looking to do. I think that you would be a good fit. Can you forward something over to us? But within 24, no, I can't even say within 24 hours. I want to say within 10 hours because it came in so late at night. I was able to forward over to them our um, presentation board that was done by our architect, sent over, sent over our uh, proposed plans for the grounds. And we also sent over our business plan. The day that we had the ceremony that everybody saw on TV, mm -hmm. one of the representatives were there from that company. Mm. Ain't that something? Before the day was over, DJ, I got a call that said they felt the spirit of community development was very impressed with what O'Hara Developments is doing and said, we will build the playground for the company. We will donate. Not okay. alone. Watch out now. <laughs> That's dope. I like that. And this is, and I'm sharing this because that that land initially came through relationships, showing our, our care, being authentic, not giving up. We're talking about over a quarter acre of land. I, right. I, I posted it online. It's it's pretty large. And I mean, it has fruit trees that are there. We're going to make it, you know, work. I actually picked up an apple from it the other day, you know. And so to have a major household name see the value and cut us a check coming down the line, because mm -hmm. it, hasn't, it hasn't come in yet. But yep. to know that that's there, that said, I was like, you know what? We're doing the right thing. Yep. Because we got better during COVID. We expanded another block during COVID. And now, yes, Unfortunately, we had this uprising, but that was necessary too to shake some things up and for people to realize what we need mm -hmm. and not being afraid to request and say, oh, I fit that and being ready. So what happened during these two and a half years? We continued to grow. We found ways to stay, to get ready and stay ready. Because if I thought that I was going to be cheaping things out on my architect, I wouldn't have had the plans to send over. Right. I, if I wasn't willing to stick it out there and, you know, connect with the community, I wouldn't have had, you know, playground architectural plans to send over. I wouldn't have been ready when a blessing was coming. So that's what's been happening over these two years. And that's what people can do too. form your meetings, listen to the people in the neighborhood here of, of different ages and start creating your plan based on the people. The money will come. Mm -hmm. The money will come completely will come. You were being positioned. You were being positioned to get into the flow of opportunity, the flow of resources, the flow of relationships. Uh, so I'm so excited uh, for your company. There's something you said there. You're welcome. There's something you said there that I want to make sure that we highlight. Because throughout this entire conversation, I'm hearing that you have this person appointed to do this. You have this person appointed to do that. 
You got this person appointed to do that. It's not just you. How important is team? How important is having experts in different areas outside of what, you know, your capacity? How important is having those people in position to your company and for community development? It's so important, DJ, that during COVID, I went on my last to make sure my people were paid. We have never received an FCA loan. We like one, but we have not. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Just saying, but we have not. And I'm sharing that because I want people to understand your team is everything. It's everything. I couldn't do this without having an architectural designer. I couldn't do this without having a head GC. But not just having them as title people, but having people that actually see the vision of what you're looking to do. Right. Um, my mentees, my interns, like these are people that I say I work with, not that they work for me. Because this is a team effort in everything that we do. So, you know, the fact that, um, like, for example, the other day, uh, my architectural designer, Tom, he, he sent me a text message and he said, hey, I think that we should probably start thinking about um, how we're developing more because on another level, I should say, not like we weren't doing it before, but on another level, because a number of jobs are going to reduce their capacity of how many employees they have on site mm -hmm. and more people will be working from home. So what does that make means for us? Let's start being intentional about the spaces that we're developing in the homes. Let's start approaching maybe, you know, some of these big household names that provide Wi-Fi and see if we can incorporate that some shape or form. That means that maybe every home needs to have, you know, a study. It needs to have a workspace for kids because some parents are going to be thinking about homeschooling more. So not saying that we probably would not have gotten there, but the fact that I have somebody that's already with the design eye, reading articles that I may not be reading, that helped to have that conversation now and not six months from now. So yes. having a team is super, super important. Um, we're now at the point where, you know, thank God we got a little, we got a little bit of money, did, a little bit, <laughs> that we were able to bring on, you know, a content creator. Like now, you know, he is the executive producer on our documentary. Shout out to Creative Mind Productions. You know, so he sees an eye that I don't see. He's like, oh, we need to capture your conversation here. I need to hear you speak on this. Like Vernon is amazing at what he does. But that also came from my team telling me, Miss Joanna, we are seeing how God is blessing the company immensely. This is stuff that needs to be documented. You are, you are changing the game, not just as a developer, but also as a black woman that it's possible. This needs to be documented. So I just jumped out there and I was like, you know, Vernon, I got, I got a little bit of money, just a little bit, not a lot. But what could you do? But again, somebody else that sees the vision. So everybody that's involved in O'Hara Development sees the bigger picture and they know the money is coming. We, we've had some conversations that's getting ready to change the whole game up for us. We know it's coming, but right now, as long as we just continue to keep the people first, see the vision of what it's going to be, we'll see this thing turn into something bigger than what our eyes can see. The, month, the minute that we start making every decision based upon a dollar, we mm -hmm. lose. We lose. Because if that's the case, we can go into the suburbs and, and tear it up right now and, and not even have half of the problem that we, that we come across. Right. But it's bigger than that. Now, you, you kept saying something, and it's, make, it's really uh, wrestling with my spirit. You said, everybody's seeing the vision. Everybody's seeing the vision. Well, that means that you're communicating the vision correctly. So that means the person that, that has this vision 
they need to be able to not only understand their vision, but they also got to be able to communicate it. And you mentioned earlier about public speaking and uh, that being a, another gift of yours, because you know your gift will make room for you. How important has communication been for not only for this company, but for all your endeavors? How important is communication in this space? It's, it, it's extremely important. Um, as a licensed financial coach, when you are helping someone create a plan for their financial future that's going to impact not only themselves, but their family that's present, and especially if you're building with legacy in mind when they're no longer present, it's everything. So I'm very intentional about what are our short-term goals? What are our long-term goals? And like I told you, don't play around with Pinterest, baby. Get you all messed up. So you have to stay focused. I'm serious. I mean, I love a rooftop deck. And I had Tom tell me, Miss Joanna, that's not in the budget for this one. I'm like, all right, well, back to the drawing board. You know, <laughs> right. you have to stay clear about what is the goal for this house. Like we know on these first two homes, we're going to profit okay, but it's not about the dollar with these first two homes. What's the what's most important for us is increasing the value of the block with these first two properties. So again, being really clear, do I need to go all out with certain, you know, uh, backsplashes and countertops and all these different things right now? Maybe, maybe not. Everybody's situation, you know, is different. Um, but again, when you're clear about step one, step two, step three, now the team knows, you know what, this is worth texting her about right now versus ah, I can wait three weeks for it until we have our next team meeting. So communication is everything. Be clear about um, your steps in your emails. Be clear about um, opportunities that you're looking for. And I would say as a CEO, don't be afraid to say, I need help. That title does not mean that you know everything. Right. It is okay to say, hey, I need help. I ran into this roadblock. I'm not sure how we can come to a resolve. You know, who knows who that knows who? It helps. So it's okay to say that we need more hands on deck um, so we can be able to, to make some great things happen. I mean, uh, today I made the announcement this morning that we now have a partnership with Coppin State University. That didn't Congratulations. Come Thank you so much. Thank you. We're bringing on um, graduate students that are coming through the Masters of Social Work program to provide them hands on opportunities to learn about financial and economic development. Um, and what you can also do as a social worker, like being a social worker doesn't mean that you're going to take somebody's kids. It doesn't mean that you always have to be a professor or that you're writing a ton of books. Like you can be in this lane of finance and real estate development and make some great impact in a community because I'm just saying, who knows it better than we do? We've seen it all as a social worker and heard it all, you know? Right. So, but all that and saying that, that partnership came through our mentees. I cannot take credit for that. I told them, one of the things we want to make sure that we're doing is providing more exposure within the community. We're in an area that also has some universities nearby. Um, we have uh, community colleges nearby. Let's put the email together and start reaching out to every department on campus and see who responds to say this could actually fit for a great field placement or internship experience for our students. And they took the lead on it and they moved on it. And when things didn't make sense and they were, they, I don't know, something about a chalkboard, some, some app that came, oh, they use this app now. I didn't necessarily need to learn it. 
they they learned it so they can execute and get the goal met. So that's my thing when it comes to CEOs. Sometimes I think that we wear that title a bit too heavy and we turn our ears off and we think we know it all when really, you know, you're, you may be the mascot, but it's your team that's keeping everything going. So that's why I tell people, this is who I work with. They don't work for me. They work with me. I love that. Now, I'm going to ask you something. I have a feeling that I might not get an answer. I got to ask anyway. So you got Philly. You're in Baltimore. Could you see yourself going to some other states, some other cities, and doing this uh, community development advocacy work in multiple, about five, six, ten cities? Or do you want to keep it to two or three cities uh, for the time being? For the time being, yes. And Baltimore is really our primary. Um, I shifted from Philly because Philly at that time was really beyond what we could get into. Um, Philly is really already, quote unquote, bought, as they would say. And um, I have to be honest, just where things are politically is just not, it was not entertaining to me. Um, So for anybody that has has ever thought like, well, dad, Joanna, you're from Philly. How are you doing all this for Baltimore? Well, Baltimore politicians were willing to give me a seat at the table uh, well, excuse me, I should say, allow me to bring my own chair to the table mm-hmm. and have conversations with me where, unfortunately, some of our city officials in Philly just were not. So that's where our primary focus is, is, is Baltimore right now. We have family property here in Philly, so I just wanted to just clarify that. However, you are now the at least fifth person within 30 days that has asked me that question or slightly encouraged that. Um, so... I can definitely see it happening. I really want Baltimore to be our staple piece. I would like to see that we actually partner with other people that want to do this in their communities in different states and probably provide some mentorship and guidance, maybe even do some type of investment partnership of some sort to help them get to that part. So I would be very open to it. I would be very open to that. When you launch that uh, initiative, I would love to be a part of that. Because I see different uh, developers in different cities, and I've reached out and I said, why don't we do something on a national or global scale where you're taking the same principles and we can, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, I would love to be able to take some of those same principles and apply them here if I know exactly what to do. I don't want to do it the wrong way. And so... I would be very interested in not only documenting that initiative, uh, but then also maybe even being part of that initiative in various cities uh, because you can't do it all by yourself. And so people are going to catch on to this vision and they're going to be in Houston. They're going to be in Florida. They're going to be in Atlanta. They're going to be in Detroit, Oakland, all, all over. People are going to be listening to this saying, how can I get, how can I do this with a community mindset instead of just a quick dollar? Uh, so whenever that initiative happens, I would love uh, to be a part of that and can help communicate that message. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I look forward to it. When people ask me about solutions, I say that, you know, buy a block and watch your, watch your education change. Mm. Buy a block and watch how healthcare can operate differently within your community. I, I do believe that real estate is not the answer to everything, but it can be an answer to a lot. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so for us, we look forward to when, you know, classes, quote unquote, go back to normal, whatever that then looks like for us now in our country. But we all you know from the very beginning, we said, you know, we don't necessarily need all of the profit that comes from these homes. 
we can maybe help place a financial literacy teacher in an elementary school and see if there's a way that we can cover, you know, 40% of the salary and the, the, the school district comes the other 60. Like, there's nothing that can not be done. My mentor, uh, Professor Mildred Joyner, she has been my mentor now since 2010. And one of the statements that she has said to me that has always stuck with me, DJ, the word is not no, it's how can we get it done? Mm, I like that. The word is not no. How can we get it done? And I think that if we continue thinking about that, we'll stop having conversations where we get so frustrated and we say, oh my God, it can't happen. It can't this. No, no, no. How could we get it done? Mm -hmm. So in the perfect world, how could this be resolved? Oh, that can be it? Well, let's, let's call so-and-so and throw that as a strategy. Because a lot of times, especially when you're getting ready to meet with city officials, they have so much more, they have a lot on their plate. And I'm not trying to take away from their position and, and, and say that they don't, you know, so, some do, some don't. You get what I'm trying to say in that area. But what I am saying is they have so much going on that when you approach them, come to them with answers. Yes. Don't come to city officials, in my opinion, and from my experience, with a lot of, well, how and why how and why because they already get that so for those that are listening to this if you believe that you are chosen to be a change agent in your community in this nation start going to them and saying hey i have an idea with that i believe if we execute on this could be the solution to your third pillar of your campaign that you talked about that you wanted to get done what <laughs> because for them there's somebody that has already told them that they were will they would be willing to fund that third pillar. Yeah. So here you now come with the answer. It helps their campaign. The money is already there, and that it also makes them look good as a political leader. But if you're just coming to these political leaders with the, well, can you help me? And can I how? And you just look there. That's another thing that they have to now go home and think about. Have a glass of wine. Have a cigar about. Have a meeting about come to them with solutions mm -hmm. that can be executed. I've always found that when you come to serve, people will throw on the shirt and the outfit and say, okay, come with us. If you're here to serve, you're part of our team. And so I always try to go to serve, you know, in anything that, that I'm doing. Um, before we go, what are some ways that people can um, partner with you, collaborate with you, work with you? Uh, support your company what message can we get out to our audience that may be interested in being part of your frequency and a part of your mission thank you uh, support our educational platform real the number two the estate um, that is our educational platform and I say that because we have we bring on a lot of guests that pour into people that purchase our courses. Um, there is also a virtual class called By the Neighborhood that we did back in February. We had some heavy hitters pouring in, I mean, from an SEC attorney, uh, an attorney that specializes in opportunity zone funds. We have another young lady that worked the bird process, DJ, to the fact that she created a $4 million rental portfolio in two years. So, I mean, it was, I brought on the best of the best, you know, for this. And the reason why I start there is because a lot of times people get really caught up in the timeline and they're like, oh, I'm going to get my next investment. I'm going to get my first investment property. And they haven't invested not a lick in a class. And I tell people this, if you're not willing to spend $150 on a course, then you are not ready to write a $12,000 check for your architect. Mm. 
If you're not willing right. to say, hey, I'm going to pour into, um, you know, continuing education and pour in, 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 enroll in webinars and enroll in mentorship, when that check comes for, for you to pay for the roof, you're not going to feel comfortable. There's a psychology behind money. There's also a spirituality behind money that if you get used to putting it out, when the time comes for you to cut the larger check, it's going to be nothing. Just like if you start serving on this level, when you get here, the first thing, oh, how can I continue to serve? Mm -hmm. So I want people to really do that. Go to realtoryestate.com, check out our courses, purchase it, spend time with it. The, the summit is about seven to eight hours of content. Turn your car into your classroom. So that's something that you can definitely do, not only as supporting O'Hara developments, but also investing in yourself. Uh, the next thing what I want people to do is look out for opportunities that are coming very soon. Uh, we probably will have this announced within 30 days of where you can be able to actually invest in our Baltimore project. So that's actually being put together. It's going to be done on a larger platform. Then outside of that, if people want to do any creative projects with us, they can send a direct email to our team at info at O'Hara, that's O-H-A-R-A, dev, D-E-V, dot com. I love it so much. You've blessed us with so many gems. Uh, I've been wanting to talk to you for at least two or three months now. Wow. Uh, you're a busy woman. Um, but don't, don't let this be the only time that we talk. Uh, when new initiatives come about, when a new city pops up on your radar, <laughs> Uh, please come back to Black Equity because you kind of, to me, we, we, we talked about this in the past. I just got tired of seeing so many investors only being investors. And if there, to me, if there's no community around it, we haven't really done anything. Not a thing. And it's really just for that person. And so I, I want to empower cities, empower communities. And uh, I think we, as, as our community, we should be at the forefront of making sure that we're empowering these cities or somebody else will do something that looks like empowerment, but it ain't. And so thank you so much for the work you're doing. Uh, are there any final thoughts for our listeners today um, who are thinking about getting into the community development mindset? Start before the money comes. That's the, that's the most important thing I can tell you. Um, it does require you to just get started put the steps out there write it down write your goals every day believe it's possible um connect with those that you think are untouchable because they're probably very touchable it's, it's they're probably just a dm or email away you know so start before the bank account reflects the vision um you know we're working now on a 10 million dollar project back in 2017 we started with a three thousand dollar check Mm -hmm. That is where we started. And when I share that, I just actually started sharing that publicly with folks. You know, they're very surprised. But what needed to happen was we just needed to get started. So don't allow your bank account to make you feel like it's not possible. I don't have it. I can't this. I can't that. Because if you just start walking, you might bump into the very person that's looking to invest in your blessing. Joanna Jane, thank you so much for coming on Black Equity Podcast. We look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thank you, DJ. All right, that was a great episode. I learned so much from sitting back and listening to Joanna uh, tell her story. 
there's so many nuggets within it. It's a story of perseverance. It's a story of vision. And it's a story of expansion about how one idea can continue to expand and expand and expand. And so if you're interested in working with today's guest or past guest, I want you to send us an email over at blackequitynetwork at gmail.com and uh, let us know uh, what your interests are, who exactly you want to partner with, and let's see if we can uh, make that happen. And if you want a personal introduction, make sure you sign up for our exclusive membership over at Patreon. The link is in uh, the bio of our Instagram if you want direct access uh, to what we are building, and you get personal introductions to all of our past guests uh, that you may be interested in. So thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again very shortly on our next episode of Black Equity Podcast. And if you know anyone who is an entrepreneur or an investor who you think would be a great fit for Black Equity Podcast, you can send us an email as well. All right. We'll be talking to you again very, very soon. Thank you for being an active listener, taking the notes and allowing this wisdom to enrich your business and what you have going on in your world.